With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. Yes, and welcome back. It's, we've been gone for two weeks. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell, live from Studio A here in Podcast Village. Joining me as they do every time we broadcast, he is the former uh, undersecretary for international trade at the Department of Commerce. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And somewhere in an undisclosed location, Richard Bino, author of such great books as Politics on the Rocks. He is the one we know as Rich Rubino. Hello, Rich. Hi, Justin. We have got a lot to talk about. Uh, this episode is going to be specifically on the impeachment inquiry. Uh, we've been gone for two weeks. Obviously, we had last week the week of the Thanksgiving holiday, and then uh, we're back now. The trick is that since we've been gone... There was a lot of activity going on in the impeachment inquiry, a lot of it centering around Chairman Adam Schiff, the Democrat uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, But that we're going to get to that. But the big breaking news here in Washington, we record this on a Tuesday, is that uh, Adam Schiff, within the hour, has just gotten off the podium and talked about the release of the Intelligence Committee's first swipe at the uh, at the inquiry report put out by Democrats. Now, the interesting thing here, uh, Alan Moore, which I have seen uh, supplemental reports, but I've never seen what they, I guess the Republicans are calling it a rebuttal report, a report that they issued yesterday. These are the Republicans on the House Intel Committee. Is is that normal practice? Is that is that regular? Well, order? it's not the it's it's not the norm, but it's not unprecedented. And people because of the timing of it, because the 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 response came out before the basic report, they're calling it a pre buttle, um, and and uh, uh, it 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 occurs when there is a co- clear divide. It used to be that. You'd have a bipartisan report, but you might have minority views of one or more people uh, who disagreed or disagreed in part. Um, but it's becoming increasingly common that there will be a majority report and then a what what turns out to be a minority report that reaches uh, very different conclusions. So, so that that came out uh, that came out uh, yesterday evening and had a lot of the regular Republican talking points, but everybody right now is talking about the release of uh, this House Intelligence Committee report that came out from Adam Schiff. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance, uh, if you've had, a ch- if everybody's had a chance to look at this. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you have not. I have not. No, 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 no. I was just trying, I was just reading a little account of it. It's a 300-page document uh, released literally within the hour. Right. Um 
that that is basically a summary of what has occurred in the public hearings, but also some additional information from behind the scenes. Right. One item that that I I saw uh, written about uh, in a Politico story was that that apparently they they subpoenaed the, the committee subpoenaed some records from AT and T and found a pattern of a, of a, some number of phone calls between Rudy Giuliani and. <laughs> And ranking Republican Nunes, or at least his office, it's a little unclear, and one of his uh, staff people who's now serving on the NSC. Right. Now, that that in and of itself just creates an additional level of awkwardness in the committee. We because don't know what the content this is. This ties into the information that came out about a week ago about ranking member Nunez, where it was reported widely that he was, in fact, in Europe at a time during a meeting with former dispatched Ukrainian officials, it got a little awkward there well, when that came it, out. It's not that they're not as far as I don't know that they are linked, but it it's another it's another example of Nunez's own behavior that comes under scrutiny um, by uh, by the committee and by the media. So he Nunez Nunez is sort of denied that he met these he the the the, the Ukrainian the former Ukrainian uh, prosecutor basically I think he said I did not meet that man in Austria right well then he wouldn't he declined which was the original uh, uh, information that had had been released but did he meet somebody else in Austria or did he meet that guy in some country other than Austria um, did he lie? Uh, I, I'm not suggesting I know the answer, but but he then simply said, I am not going to make any comments, any further comments about this. Um, so that was last week. And then to now we, we discover uh, it's not a huge surprise, but it's interesting that it's in the majority report rather than side information or whatever. Some, for some reason, they just decided to include right. the ranking member right. in the body of is, their report. Is, Rich Rubino, looking at this, I mean, this is unprecedented territory when we're now starting to see direct connectivity between uh, the president's outside counsel and direct ties to not only the acting chief of staff, but then acting uh, the acting chief of the Office of Management and Budget around the time that this started turning uh, uh, this started turning about withholding the funds from Ukraine. It, 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 it seems to me that the, the Republicans aren't too worried about that. Why is that? It's interesting. I think it's because of the way that they able, that they think they're going to be able to spin it. Because in a sense, they have kind of their own their own networks and their own um, versions of the truth. I think. I think what you're going to hear, you know, from folks like Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh, is going to essentially say it's going to essentially exonerate what they did, and they're going to try to put it off more so on the Biden. Say, look at what Joe Biden did for his son, that type of a thing. But I mean, it's also what you're hearing is a lot of that is public. I mean, what's going on in private amongst them? There probably is that there probably is some fear. But obviously, from, the, from a public standpoint, and also just because I think that they realize that this is in many respects a political episode, because barring some, barring some evidence that is incontrovertible, that Donald Trump's job approval is going to go down below 30 percent, they know that the president is likely to be impeached, that he's going to be exonerated in the United States Senate, and they know that this is essentially, um, this is essentially going nowhere. So I think that's part of it. Right. Uh, joining us better late than never, 
He is the former Democratic political operative and Joe Biden political boss. He is the one we know as Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Uh, Justin, sorry. I'm late. Just a little tired. after pulling an all-nighter trying to get that 300-page report out for today. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah, uh, that, that's good. I'm, gl- I'm glad you got that out. Thank you for making it sub- subject appropriate. I saw some typos. Yeah, yeah, oh, then we know. It. Then we definitely know hey, it's listen, a Dan. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. And then we definitely know it's a Dan Lipner product. Hey, Dan, the... Um, the discussion here now becomes an issue of the appropriateness of the phone calls. And and again, as Alan pointed out, there's a lot of telephone logs involved in this report now out. It does show an unusual and unprecedented amount of connectivity between the president's outside counsel and internal workings at the White House and the administration. Uh Again, from your perspective, it doesn't seem like the Republicans are too worried about it. Is this, in fact, damning, or is this much ado about nothing? So I'm going to push back at an odd spot here. Why? I'm not willing to say the a conversation between the White House and the president's outside counsel. I'm not willing to say Rudolph Giuliani is behaving like a lawyer uh, on this. So saying he's okay, the outside counsel fair, is problematic. Enough, but that is that is the it, official it, it's title. It's not a lawyer been... if you if you're if if the endeavor is a criminal activity. Right, but that, but that's that's the official capacity he's been operating on. I mean, you know, we can't say that's anything official, other. That's what he claims he's been operating under. Once he's indicted, which there's already the uh, the Southern District of well, New York is all, all he's well, under investigation with, right now. Well, let, let's deal with let's deal with what we've got with right now. Which which is, as of right now, the Southern District of New York has not issued any sort of uh, uh, criminal proceedings against Rudolph Giuliani. But just the essence of an outside counsel having that much connectivity with the leadership in the Office of Management Budget and the White House, unprecedented the word, does it? does this prove the fact that there was a shadow campaign? It's a very simple question that, God willing... Uh, my party will be able to go with a simple narrative or a simple question. Is there any legitimate reason for a person outside of the federal government who claims to be acting as the president's private attorney to be having any communications with the White House Budget Office? And I'll throw this out to, to, to our group. If it, in the best case scenario, is there any legitimate reason Rudolph Giuliani would be engaged in those conversations? Alan Moore, I'll go to you on that one. I, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's not a clear yes or no. I, we need to know more detail. People talk to people all the time. Now, if, if Giuliani is uh, pretending to speak for the president or on his behalf in some kind of conversation with government officials, um, our own government officials, uh, and there's some evidence that he did, that's a concerning question that, that, that warrants a closer look and puts Giuliani in, in the spotlight. Uh, the, the president, uh, as, as uh, we've seen him do before, has put some distance between himself and his, quote, lawyer, unquote, uh, in terms of what, what Giuliani was doing in Ukraine by saying, uh, you know, he was acting on my behalf. But no, I wasn't giving him orders. Um, he's got all sorts and, of clients there. So so it, it, that's right. He's, he's got I'm, I'm not his only client in the world. Um, so 
I, when when it's an interesting question, but it it strikes me that that's not the question that the Democrats need to resolve, or that they that that the country needs to focus in on, and that that that's a different question. So, yeah, we need to, Rich Rubino. What is the question that the nation needs to focus in on? Well, I think the nation. I think I mean it goes on to I guess the general more the general question, which is whether there was a quid pro quo, whether the pres whether President Trump. Um, threatened to essentially impound funds unless the Ukrainian government decided that they were going to investigate Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And I think that's basically that's basically the charge. And that's that's why I think this in many respects is so easy for people to understand, because I could just explain that in 15 seconds. And, you know, people can understand it's not like something like Whitewater. We have to explain this land deal in Arkansas and how complicated it is. It's very simple to understand. It extorted the Ukrainian well, government. OK, but Alan Moore, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay. it, it, so so most of the country believes that the president applied pressure on the Ukrainians. Um, he was going to hold up. He was threatening to hold up their money in exchange for uh, a, a couple of investigations, which arguably, presumably, would have been beneficial to his campaign, although that's an interesting question, because one thing is an investigation, another thing is what you find in that investigation. But, but, the, but, but the question for the country, most people, I think, believe, agree with what the Democrats are charging here, that the president did this, and that it was an abuse of power. Is it worthy of impeachment and removal? And that's the harder question, so, and that's the one that that the Democrats have to sell. So let, now, me ask you this, let me just interrupt real quick, because when you talk about the, the question about is it worthy of impeachment, let's separate the two out. In your mind, Alan, do you think that this is worthy of impeachment? So I said before weeks ago that that I thought Nancy Pelosi was on the right track. And then when she abruptly decided to call for an inquiry two or three days before the so-called transcript of the famous conversation um, with the president of Ukraine came out, I just felt that her timing was wrong. And I will we'll never know what would have happened if as she was struggling with that, if they'd put out the transcript a couple of days sooner. The the inquiry uh, was too soon. Uh, the, the request for the inquiry, but once you once she went down that road, she had to stay on that road. I think her instincts from the beginning were were dead on correct, and she resisted a lot of pressure within her own party, but it wasn't by any stretch unanimous within her party to hold off, hold off, hold off. There, the committees could hold hearings, there could be investigative work and exploration, but what she did not want is the situation that she's now in. We don't know what the impact of that's going to be uh, in next November, but what she did not want was a partisan impeachment inquiry, par uh, a, a partisan impeachment process and presumed vote and, and a partisan vote in the Senate that would acquit right. the president. And that appears to be the path we're Rich, on. That was what she was trying to avoid. Rich Rapino, I'll, I'll go the same question to you, is does... The evidence is presented through the witnesses, including uh, Fiona Hill, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vandeman, uh, and and the and the and the ambassador corps that came through uh, within the past two weeks, as well as what we're reading today. Does the evidence justify impeachment? Not impeachment and removal, just impeachment, in your opinion. 
I don't know. I will say this. It's in the eye. Of the, I'll just say this. It's in the. I guess it's kind of a cop out, but it's in the eye of the beholder because impeachment is supposed to be for high crimes, or for high crimes, or other for high for treason, bribery, or other high crimes or misdemeanors. And what constitutes a high crime or misdemeanor, I think, is in the eye of the beholder. And obviously, in this case, just like in the case of Watergate, the Republicans thought one thing, the Democrats thought another thing. The case of in the case of Monica Lewinsky, the Republicans thought it thought it was. The Democrats did not think so. Right now, you have a scenario where almost every Democrat, would, I think, would say that it does constitute impeachment. Every Republican would say that it does not constitute impeachment. I think that just shows how, um, you know, I guess that just shows how relative that this all is. And there really is no, there's not a stipulation saying this specifically constitutes impeachment, this specifically not con- does not constitute impeachment. And that's why partisans from both sides can make the case that the president either does not deserve to be impeached or does, or does deserve to be impeached. But regardless whether it's going – regardless, I think the, the fact of the matter is he will be impeached, then it will go to the United States Senate. And my guess is that in the United States Senate, probably at right. most Democrats, with the exception of someone like maybe Doug Jones in Alabama, who's up for re-election, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, will probably vote for a conviction. And then on the Republican side, my guess is every Republican, possible exception, Cory Gardner, Colorado, Mitt Romney, Massachusetts, um, Susan Collins, Maine, possible. You mean Utah. You mean Utah? Utah, you're right. He used to be. I still think of him as, Ma- I still think of him as Massachusetts. I should at least I didn't say Michigan. That's true. Uh, Dan Lipner. Um. Uh, so, yeah, I can see that point and and uh, or all the points that were made. But as far as it goes, as far as uh, Nancy Pelosi not wanting it to be a partisan endeavor, the problem is if if one side is just cynically making up nonsense how do you engage um there have been few if any republicans elected republicans let me be clear there have been people who who are it as the uh, trumpies would refer to it as the deep state but these are conservative folks who actually have stepped up but elected republicans have very cynically thrown out just nonsense arguments. And, and, and I want to get I want to touch on that in a little bit, but but the question I have for you right now is you know, in a criminal trial, which this is not. This is not even a, a judicial proceeding. In a criminal trial, the burden of proof rests on the prosecution to present a case beyond a reasonable doubt for conviction. Uh Republicans you, are arguing ju- jury nullification, which, okay. which, as, as explain as, that. So jury nullification basically is saying, in spite of the facts, we still don't want to convict. And the in in many jurisdictions. Excuse me, um, <laughs> sorry, my friend. <laughs> there are plenty of Republicans who say. We we agree on the facts. We disagree on the punishment. Who in elected office says we agree on the facts? There there are plenty. They don't. Ha- who's on the record? Dan, just seriously, be- who's on the record? Dan, name them. Dan, there there are uh, any number of Republicans who said this was inappropriate. This was wrong. He should not have done this. Let me help fact, you out here. Let me help you out that, here. Will, fact, Will Hurd is one of the them. Fact that, the fact that people don't go out and self-immolate by saying the president did horrible, terrible, disgusting, gross things, but we don't think he should be removed— 
doesn't satisfy you or other Democrats. Will, will, but, will but, Hurd is one of them, wait, so, and he's leaving office. Oh, that's oh, right. Mitt, Mitt, Romney, Rip, Mitt Romney's another. He has actively said that this is inappropriate behavior for the president. Susan Collins, he's, Lisa he's, Murkowski. He, a, a lot of these folks Port, have been silent since the hearings Port, have started. Portman, to me. Watch Fred Upton, too. You right. know, you know, we got senators, we got congressmen, we we we've got senators who who act as a a kind of a, a weird combination of court and jury in this process, and and the Democrats are just beside themselves because Republicans who are disgusted by the behavior and and signal it in a whole host of ways, um, but not in the kind of aggressive public self-damaging way that Democrats would like, then they're all put into the same box as this guy, John Kennedy, who <laughs> who over the weekend, for the second time, uh, showed that he's a dupe right. to what the Russians, uh, uh, Russian talking or, points. Or, about or, or, Sen- or Senator Johnson, who actually bravely said said the honest thing, then backtracked falling all over himself for a completely dishonest let's, retraction. Let's talk about that. Hold but on, but all I'm saying is you, I mean, you can't I, I, but the, the, the voices are there. Republicans with that brush. And, and the question is, and th- as far as that goes, and I, I hear that statement, but what I'm not seeing from the Republican side of the, the inappropriateness, and there have been quiet statements, and that's being generous, uh, about the inappropriateness of what the president did, but but, but, I think, but I, not not going into exactly how, where is the line inviting not just inviting actually extorting a foreign country to get involved with a domestic and, presidential election again. But, but here, here's the how thing is, is that think, not a thing? Like, I, I don't understand how there isn't more outrage. No, but I, I, I guess I guess what I'm I guess what I'm hearing is to to kind of merge the two arguments is Alan. He, you know, Alan's right when he says that there are some Republicans and prominent Republicans. I mean, Mitt Romney is nothing to shake a stick at. Murkowski, Collins, also not to shake a stick. Now, those tend to be your maple syrup, middle of the road, moderate Republicans. But at the same time, Alan, you know. We are not seeing a majority of the leadership of Republicans. That would be Kevin McCarthy, Devin Nunez, uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, Those are the ilk that we're seeing that are not only coming out and not even questioning the facts, but they're actually putting out their own tinfoil hat conspiracy theories, which what I'm scared about about all this is, I don't know which is I don't know which I should be more afraid of the fact that they're putting out information to confuse the American electorate on what's true and hoping that the misled electorate will buy whatever 30 second soundbite they put out at or these are elected officials that are actively engaging in promoting Soviet Soviet Russian based <laughs> propaganda that the intelligence community is unanimous in saying this did not happen. This is not true. I don't know which is scarier, the tinfoil hat or the misleading. Well, there's also a fear there, I think, in a lot of those cases of there being a Cantor. Remember Eric Cantor, the Senate, the House minority, minority Leader from Virginia, 
um, was essentially which was seen as being somewhat compromising on the issue of immigration. He ended up being a, being a um, primary against him, and he was essentially ousted in that primary. And I think a lot of the Republicans know that. If they do anything whatsoever, specifically someone like Kevin McCarthy or Jim Jordan, to um, question President Trump's motives, to question what the, that the that to question that this is at, at all impeachable, that there's going to be some sort of a primary challenge. You see Lindsey Graham having this fear, but, and yeah, they're going to be and they're going to lose their Rich, job. Rich, at, at what point do you speak up, even when even when your base is leading you in one direction? At what point do you take your your political future in your hands well, and say address, this is wrong? I want to address the comment. That's the question. I want to address the comment that that Rich Rubino made. You bring up Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor was beaten by Dave Bratt. Uh, right. Let us let us not forget that Dave Brett was beaten out in the no 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 in this last cycle he right. won he was seated as a congressman but only served two terms before it it came back to bite him so the argument of saying you know look if you're going to primary fine primary me but here's the thing is we we have to give some credit that the electorate will have some logic behind it we're not going to fall you know we may fall one or two terms behind this rhetoric but we're not going to do it ongoing Unless your base is that radical, that's the crazy stuff about that. Am I am I wrong on this, Alan? Well, you know what? There was recently a poll that showed among Republicans, among Republicans, fifty three percent believe that Donald Trump was a better president than Abraham Lincoln. That's the that's the that's the ideological mindset of the current Republican of the current Republican base. And you go to a district like Kevin like Kevin McCarthy's district in California, around the Bakersfield area. If he gets challenged from 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 if she gets challenged in a primary, essentially. That you're right. That person potentially could serve a couple terms, like David Bratt does, then lose in the general election. But in Kevin McCarthy's case, my guess is he wants to become Speaker of the House, and the only way he's going to become Speaker of the House is if he can stay in his own congressional district and if he can move as far to the right as possible. By far to the right, I mean in terms of protecting Donald Trump. If he does anything to be seen as recurrent to Donald Trump, either he has an, either he has a, a, a primary challenge. Or, for that matter, he um, he does he, or he or he survives a primary challenge, and then somebody from the conservative, from the Freedom Caucus, for example, maybe Mark Meadows from North Carolina, challenges him. But, and I think right. that's the fear. But, I mean, that's part of the reason why, the way, why we're, I think we're Paul speculating. Ryan... We're speculating now on that one. But but the question, the bigger problem I have, Dan Lipner, is I don't see a path forward for this. I mean, I literally. You have which this are you talking about? Uh, about the, about the entire impeachment process. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've seen the numbers. The numbers are showing that we've hit a ceiling as far as maybe fifty three percent of Americans believe that an impeachment and impeachment removal uh, was appropriate for what we now know. That number has now since dropped after the uh, the hearings in Adam Schiff's committee. Of last week and a week and a half ago, if but we once we hit that plateau, what do the Democrats expect is going to come out that's going to convince such party hardliners <coughs> to flip, particularly in trying to convict the president? Well, a couple parts of that. One, the the simple being righteous in what you're doing, and even if you're going to lose it at the end for removal, does that negate the fact that it's still right to check the president on this clearly improper activity? 
and the same numbers that say it's 51% of the public uh, wants impeachment and removal also has 70% that said this was wrong. So the question is, is that that difference of 20% or 19%, is that difference, is any part of that movable and more importantly, of that 20%, where does that sit in Republican districts? Um, or Republican states? That's a question. I mean, we know who the 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 people who have electoral problems, and that this is the Susan Collins and the Cory Gardner are at. And I have hopes on some of the retirements um, being um, uh, Lamar Alexander from Tennessee, right? Um, and who knows what what will happen? But it's right. it, but still the importance, and this is going back to the Constitution and the founders, forcing the senators to take a vote on it. So regardless of what the outcome is, they have to say, "I either believe this this constitutes removal, or I don't." And they all have to return home to their states and their constituents and defend that vote. And that is true to the Constitution and true to democracy. So Dan brings up a good point, Alan. I mean, if you get a senator from, let's say, Colorado, Utah, or even places that are purple right now, such as Florida, where you've got, you know, we've got Rick Scott and Marco Rubio, can they go back and justify to their electorate their vote in acquitting Donald Trump of high crimes and misdemeanors. Assuming that's how this plays out, which it appears that it will, they, they would they like do they like being in that position? No. But are they comfortable being in that position? Absolutely. And it's Is and it it's, a safe it, play? Well it's 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 the it, in their mind it's their only play or their best play, shall we say. Um, and it's and as 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 Dan pointed out and as we've alluded to, seventy percent and it wouldn't surprise me if that number even creeps up higher as people be more and more people pay attention to this 70 percent of the people believe what 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 will Hurd said the, the the texas congressman what the president did was wrong it was inappropriate there was a quid pro quo he should not have blessed this or allowed this to happen or participated in it however when one looks at the totality of that, in Hurd's mind and in the mind of many Republicans, not just frightened ones, but retiring ones, they will say, notwithstanding the fact that it was wrong, it's not enough, in my judgment, to meet the very, very high standard of what it takes to negate the result of an election and remove a president from office particularly because we're 11 months away today from the election. But that's a troubling... Let the people decide. Yeah, that's, a, that's a troubling... But, but that's a here's, troubling here's, 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 though, You're asking Alan? what no, people... Here's, you're here's asking what people say. No, no. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I mean, that, that statement alone is troubling. He's saying, wait a minute, then, then why have the impeachment clause in the Constitution anyway? It's there, but you have to meet the standard that wins two-thirds majority in the Senate of it was a high crime or misdemeanor of a serious enough type to warrant but removal. doesn't that just play into the president's whole mantra of, I am the executive, I am untouchable? No. 
No, it, 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 I, I'm not going to say it doesn't continue to sort of embolden him, but I don't think there's that, that, that he's loving or embracing the notion that he will be the, 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 thir- <laughs> the third president in our history to, to be impeached. Well, even, even Nixon wasn't impeached. Right. He right, was just right, right. forced out. But, but, but that's, a, that's a record, that, that's a club that I, I, I think that the president would have passed on joining if, if he had the opportunity. And I think he bumbled into this myself. And I think that, as I right. said weeks ago, right. Mick Mulvaney had it right when he came out and said, we do this kind of thing all the time. Now, in terms of back and forth negotiating, we give you this, you give us that. You give us this, we give you that. What's rare and what's really troubling here is that the, the ask on the part of the president was something that was going to presumably benefit his election chances in 2020. So, yes, there was a quid pro quo. I think if if, if they had gone down the—I said it before, I still believe it—gone down the Mulvaney road and said, we do this kind of stuff all the time, um, we don't normally impeach people or remove them. Dan Lipner, then Rich Rubino. So, and, and that's the question. Who the charismatic Democrat is who's able to explain the narrative— Richard Schiff, uh, isn't it? N- no. Um, <laughs> I'm not certain who, who is. That person hasn't appeared yet. It could be somebody in the Senate. It could be somebody who's not in office. But the narrative question is f- on a few points. Um, why do you prosecute and why do you punish? The, the For fear of, A, if he hadn't gotten caught, this would have gone through. How? Wh- where are the bodies of the bureaucrats who who fell aside, the, the people at the budget office who, who left their jobs, the career folks who stepped aside and said, this is wrong, we're not doing this, I refuse. Those folks fell on their swords because they thought it was wrong. And beyond that, how do we, this is the stuff we caught. Do we honestly believe, and this is part right. of the question of the 70% of p- people who believe the president did this and it was wrong, do we believe this is the only thing, or will right. he not do something like that again? But, 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 and that's the bigger narrative, and that's the overturning of an election. Not only the process, not not only the punishment of the act that was done, but the fear that it'll continue, or something worse is percolating out there, or he will continue to do it. Rich, Those are part. That's part of the questions. Rich Rubino. Yeah, I think that's something potentially you could see in the United States Senate. Somebody that's able to that's able to make the narrative to a broad cross-section of constituencies. I think in terms of orders, in terms of what I can think of, I could see somebody like potentially like Cory Booker trying to make some sort of a unifying message saying that what he did, saying that what he did was wrong and that we need to save the republic, something to that effect. But, you know, this, the country is so divided right now, there's really very few Democrats I can think of that would actually garner support with, um, with among Republicans and even some, some independents in that respect so would be very hard. But if, if there is, then there's kind of, I guess it would be like a star is born in many respects, just like in the Clinton impeachment. I mean, Lindsey Graham, remember, the same Lindsey Graham as chairman of the Judiciary Committee, he came out of nowhere, and he was a member, he became, he was a member of the House Judiciary Committee, then he delivered, um, then, he, then he landed up delivering as one of the impeachment managers, um, an address essentially saying why, the, why, why Bill Clinton should be convicted. But I'll say this, though, in terms of, I'll just, a little tangentially, but in Bill Clinton's case, 
He had probably the best defenders, one of the best speeches I've ever heard, defending why what he did was not convictable after he was impeached was Dale Bumpers, the senator from Arkansas, got up there for about an hour and went through the entire, went through the entire litany of charges against Bill Clinton. He said, you know, if it's about, if it's essentially it's about sex, and he was able to – he was one of the rare orders who was able to appeal to both Republicans and to Democrats. Right. Alan, I want to read to you a paragraph that, that's directly out of the intelligence report that came out, and I, I – I want to break it down with you for here for a second, but let me just read this. Quote, uh, today we may be witnessing a collision between the power of a remedy meant to curb presidential misconduct and the power of faction determined to defend against the use of that remedy on a president of the same party. But perhaps even more corrosive to our democratic system of government, the president and his allies are making a comprehensive attack on the very idea of fact and truth. How can a democracy survive without acceptance of a common set of experiences? That's a that, that's a very damning paragraph in an impeachment inquiry. the The question I have for you, and the, and the reason why I want to break this down, is um, how do Republicans, or how can Republicans? continue to justify the idea that we're on the we're on the side of right and the and the democrats have just made this a overblown witch hunt when the facts that they're using are not only conspiracy theories but facts that have been debunked or 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 lies that have been debunked by the Intelligence Committee, the Justice Department, et cetera. So for me, one of the problems that the Republicans fell into, um, in part because key witnesses uh, were not allowed or not inclined or both to testify, there's still a dispute. There's still a dispute over the facts so that you have Republicans who played this this line this is hearsay, this is hearsay, this is hearsay. And even with Sondland, they were attacking him. How many times did you ever actually talk to the president um, in trying to put distance between him and the president, as opposed to a whole different approach, which I think would have been more honest, um, that, that obviously the, <laughs> that the White House did not, did not agree with, is the same point I was making earlier. Yes, there was a quid pro quo. We felt it was a legitimate quid pro quo because we did feel that some things happened in the Ukraine and vis-a-vis the Bidens that were concerning and were worth a look. So yes, there was a quid there there was a quid pro quo. We don't believe that makes it an impeachable offense. Instead, they chose to deny that. Now, 70% of America and probably 98% of official Washington believes that what the president did was wrong. What they disagree on is what the right remedy for that would be. It would have been great if early on, before they started the inquiry— But that's if not the had, story that if, the Republicans are pushing. Look, there's a handful of Republicans pushing the story. Agreed. And there's an enormous—and all I'm saying is those are the guys that are painting all Republicans with this ugly brush— the senators are going to get their chance. 
they're smart, in my judgment, to keep their powder dry. We, we, Graham, we can have, we can consider, have, a we can have disagreement. Do you consider Lindsey Graham smart in this instance? No, I think he did some dumb stuff. I think his big mistake in the beginning was to say... I'm Senator not gonna, Kennedy of Louisiana. Uh, 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 same oh thing. my God! Over the weekend, he he came. He comes across as a complete dunce. Uh, he, he 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 was doing okay. The, the, the folksy Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> a year, you know, a year or two ago, he had some thoughtful things to say. A week ago, he said, "I don't know if it was the Russians or the Ukrainians." And then he corrected himself a couple days later. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously it was and the Russians. And then retracted the, the question <laughs> <laughs> oh, then in his clarification this past weekend, he 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 dug. He got a bigger shovel. He didn't stop digging. He got a bigger shovel. Yeah, so, he did. So, but 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 but, I, I I'm guessing that that most, if not all, of his colleagues in the Senate, when they looked at him, thought, "Shut up." Yeah, but, oh but my God! Problem, but here's the problem, though. But his, his constituents liked it. No, no. But he. Well, no, but here's yeah, I don't know problem. how his constituents felt. He's going to have to be accountable to them. I'm sure there were some who did, and others that were probably shaking their heads, Again, thinking he's losing it. But here's the bigger problem. The bigger problem is Kennedy is not the source of the dumbfoundedness of the Republicans. The loudest voices are the ones like. Devin Nunez, Jim Jordan, and the rest of the leading Republicans on judiciary and and intelligence. We, uh, we, Devin Nunez cow might be causing part of the problem. We, <laughs> we, we, a, we don't comment on active lawsuits. We watched. We watched. We all watched a fair amount of the hearings. Most of America did not. Um, we got to see Nunez in full flower. Full form and 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 Jordan too and a couple of others but those two in particular and and they have a following they chose to go down this this route this this route of arguing the facts I I don't think that was the smart way to go but that's what they chose to do the other most House members we haven't heard heard from they're just going to simply vote against they'll you can go on their websites and you'll find some kind of an explanation they have right. to they have to answer to their constituents go out in town hall meetings etc senators have this convenient position of being able to say I'm not commenting on this now. I have right. to be a juror, right? And 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 so yeah. they're, they're all they're they're able to be cautious and careful. Some step, put their toe in the water. Some put a full foot in the water. Uh, let let's 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 not forget that uh, uh, there's also arguing the facts, and there's all, all the the crying about the process. Well, I can't. We can't have our witnesses, and we can't have our lawyers. That rapidly changed Sunday night. At which point the White House, I believe, straight from the president, said, well, this is all a hoax. My lawyers aren't coming. I'm sorry. Wait a second. I'm taking my ball and going home. No, 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 I, I want to totally... talk. I want to talk. I want to talk. Well, n- not anymore. Well, what <laughs> they said is really loud today, Dan. What they, okay. what they said is they're not coming this Wednesday when, right. when there are four people, four, four there sort are three, of cons- there are four constitutional, there are four constitutional law, attorneys. law professors who the, are the coming to The president's called the entire about... thing a hoax. That's why he's not engaging. Well, he is, he's, he's kept the door open for later. You think, right. you think they might be watching? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, he's watching. Um, hey, Richard Bino, let me go to Richard Bino yeah. real quick, because Alan brought up a, a point that I want to get with you on, is the fact that 
you know, everybody inside the Beltway, a lot of people that are political wonks outside the Beltway watched the impeachment hearings, particularly the drama that unfolded with Fiona Hill and Lieutenant Colonel Vendman. Uh, the the question I have is a majority of Americans did not watch this impeachment yep. inquiry the way they did under the Nixon or even the Clinton impeachment hearings. Uh, have we just created a hardened electorate that doesn't care? Are they? Wait, do we know most Americans no. watched under the Clinton impeachment or the Nixon hearings? Uh, uh, well, the, uh, the numbers. Let's just say the large. The numbers were much larger than they were. Than we know this that. One. I, yeah. I haven't seen oh, that yeah, comparison. Yeah. No, I have seen that comparison. I'll get that to you later. But but number one, we also didn't have twenty four hour news cycles. We also didn't have under Clinton. We uh, did not 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 the way we have the we internet. Fox News was born under Clinton. We didn't have video streaming. We didn't yeah. have five hundred cable channels. Right, exactly. No, we yeah. didn't have twenty four hour news media. on crack. But yeah, well, we, true. <laughs> but anyways, let me go back to Rich Rubino. Rich, the the, the question yeah. is: Have we created a, a an electorate that's either numb? misguided or just not taking personal responsibility on how this goes down? No, I think that most people, I mean, have lives. And I think most people probably get a little bit of information from whether it's social media, people in the office, people in the office just learning perhaps potentially, you know, on the radio on their way home from, home from work. But no, I mean, no one wants to, very few people, I think even people who are political aficionados are going to sit there for seven hours and watch, you know, this entire testimony, especially when a lot of it is repetitious. It's like, you know, Mo Udall used to say everybody's been said, but not everyone's not everyone said it yet. And there's a lot of repetition in terms of the questions. Um, but you know what? There's always been a depoliticized citizenry um, in this country. You know, you can get an American per, American the American people can essentially, and I think it's actually a positive thing, can get along by following the by by essentially living their own lives, following what news they want to follow, and not necessarily have to follow what's going on in the government. I mean, it's not like, for example, go back to the '60s. You have to be interested in what the Johnson administration is doing because potentially if you're 18 or 19 years old, you could be drafted to go to the Vietnam War. There's nothing like that right now. So for some people, it is kind of a sideshow, and they can be a spectator sport. You can essentially choose if you want it to be a spectator sport and just something that you know you kind of casually watch, casually watch, casually follow. That's fine. If you want to be an aficionado and completely follow this, potentially be an activist, you can be that too. There are some countries, you know, if you're there are certainly some countries in the world right now where you absolutely have to be involved in politics and have to be interested in it. I don't think it's necessarily a right. bad thing if you don't have that much of an interest in it. The fact that you can actually you can still right. survive and live a life. Let me go, uh, Alan Moore. We're going to kind of close out because we're coming to the end of the show, and there's a couple of things I want to touch on. But uh, I want to read to you another segment of the report that kind of gives me shivers. Quote, if left unanswered, President Trump's ongoing effort to thwart Congress's impeachment power risks doing grave harm to the institution of Congress, the balance of power between our branches of government, and the constitutional order that the president and every member of Congress have sworn to protect and defend. is Are the Democrats in this report, are they overstating this? Well, I think that, that uh, the points they raise, I haven't seen their language, and there's probably a little bit of sky is falling uh, rhetoric. And that's but, straight but out the, of the report. But the, but, the, but the point is a very relevant point. And 
you've got a couple of issues that the a couple of ways to deal with it. One, and I hope that the the House continues to proceed down the road of seeking the the testimony of the 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 Pompeos. Um, uh, the the Boltons, the Giuliani's of the world, and I would love to see a unanimous Supreme Court say, "Yep, they got to go," and 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 appear. The problem is that that all takes time to sort out, and the Democrats are in a rush here for obvious reasons. We've got an election next November, so I. But I'm hoping that they will continue to pursue, and we'll get some court clarification. The other thing is, I would love to see. Uh, some some legal changes that uh, that would make it much more difficult for a president uh, to withhold relevant information that that could not be uh, or could be argued on question by question about whether it's executive privilege rather than to simply refuse to make certain people available. This president won't sign legislation that's passed, but I think once we get past this, you may see a move. I hope you will see a move in the Congress where you can have overwhelming (coughs) majorities, uh, uh, bipartisan majorities of both houses uh, to, to, to write veto proof legislation that would circumscribe some of the presidential powers that are being abused in this case. Dan Lipner, how do you prove the grave harm that's cited and get America to buy in? I mean, that's the, that's the narrative. And I was kind of gaming this out. Uh, I, I don't know we have. Four living ex presidents have any have we have one of them is a Republican. The ones that are living won't won't get involved in this. That's how do we know? Nor will the, the dead ones. Yeah, well, good point. That's 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 brilliant, brilliant observation, Richard. No, I, I mean I, I'm not certain that's true. Uh, Barack Obama's tepidly touched on things. Uh, Bill Clinton in the past has also uh, tepidly gone after things. I don't think Bill Clinton would be the the first choice, but a duet from George W. Bush and Barack Obama talk, talking about this, the seriousness, if even not putting their finger on the scale of which where it should go, just putting their finger on the side of the seriousness of the conversation. And I believe it's still law that ex-presidents still get security briefings. Right. Um, so because there is a theory that ex-presidents might have something to contribute to this current president. Right. So if Barack Obama and George W. Bush had a joint appearance saying, you know, dear country, take this seriously, and the presidency matters, and how what the president does matters, please look and please pay attention. Interesting. The, the, hey, the, the Congress, is the, the Congress is, the, is, is the piece of the government, though, that's, that's, that's losing out here, and I think this has to be congressionally led. I think it'd be great for those presidents to come out and say, this is a good idea, but I don't think they can lead who, it. Who's going to do that, though? It, well, it, it, you're going it, it, to... It, first of all, it's not going to happen right now. We have to get past this impeachment Enterprise. Does it happen while Trump and, is in the White House? Whether well, now or it won't in a happen. Time? Absolutely this, not. It won't happen. It will not happen this this before this election. But it could happen after uh, after the next election. Whoever's in the White House, right? And Joe would, Biden has if, already come you, up with saying that there's there's a need for right, ref- reformation right, of the white of right. presidency. You right. know, you can you can you can get enough. That's what I'm saying. You need a bipartisan veto proof majority. One one last thought on the whole impeachment thing. That's sort of too bad that 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 wasn't possible that's no longer possible but might 
might have been possible, and that would have been before they went down the impeachment road to try to explore the possibility of censure of the I don't president think that's off for the his table. behavior. I've talked to a couple of people. I've talked to a couple of people on the Hill that are saying that there's a couple of options, and in, in, we may go a little bit long. Charlie, who's running the board for us, I apologize. Uh, we're running got a little bit long. The couple of thing, couple of options I've heard was censorship is not necessarily off the table. Censure. The, or censure. 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 What did I say? Censorship? You said censorship. 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 But, no, cens- censure yeah. is not necessarily off the table. The other thing I heard that was interesting that might give a little bit of political <laughs> overhead coverage, particularly those in purple states, is the, the active thought process is there may be two or three articles of impeachment that the Democrats may actually put out three, four, or five articles of impeachment, giving Democrats the ability to review all of them and giving them the political overhead coverage, saying, you know what, I did not agree with this. I do not believe in stacking the charges against the president. That is why I voted against this article of impeachment. Does it, does that have any fluidity to it? It doesn't work. It doesn't do a lot for me. I mean, if 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 there's a movement among the part among members of the party to f- find some benefit in that, fine. But I think the, the bottom line is, did you vote for impeachment or not? Not did you vote for one or two or two out of four, one out of five, three out of four. It, I don't think that matters. And it, I and, and I think censure is dead because it would look like a massive retreat for Democrats and would get enormous it pushback like a, in the What does it look like a political conciliation, Dan Lipner? Censure? I mean, if somebody on the Republican side do give their own side cover, yeah, it would be, look like retreat from for the Democrats. But if impeachment goes down, um, or at least after the Senate goes down, there's nothing to do, keep but do the, Democrat, the, the is chambers there a Democratic, from voting for censure. Is there a, but the question is where the motivation is. Democrats right. won't offer it. Um, at least I can't imagine they'd offer it, because I, I agree with even Alan. It, it, it looked look like good, Even if it made him look good going into a 2020 election year. They're already attempting to remove the guy from office. It's... Go, but go, going for for the lesser move, it's not clear what that is. If, if, buy- if Republicans offered it because there's some hint in polling, which is the only thing that would lead me to believe they would do it, to offer them cover to say, yes, we thought it was wrong and we took an affirmative action Let me ask you this it. question. That would be the motivation for it. Let me ask you this question. If Democrats offer up censure— as an option, saying, look, you know what? This is just divided the country. We are we are in a blood war now, right now. We you guys buy into censure, we'll censure the president. We will not impeach him. We will censure the president because everybody agrees he abused his office, he obstructed Congress, all the things that we could impeach him for. Do you not think that that would not buy favor with the sixty percent of Americans that are independent and no party affiliation voters, that is now going to be the key to this upcoming 2020 election? So I think I passed out for a second because I just had a vision of Donald Trump on on the stage at one of his god-awful MAGA rallies going, yes, they censured me. Ooh, they censured me. Oh, that's nothing because they couldn't impeach me. So they censured me. Because their and hopes that's what he, produce nothing but this little this this little BS right. uh, punishment. Right. It's, it's too got, late for censure. Uh, oh, that may be. Rich Rubino, last last word to you, because there's there's a a statement here in the report that I want to read to you, and I would just like, because we've only got three three minutes left, yeah. uh, and you get 
a minute 30. The statement is, no other president has, and this is a quote, no other president has flouted the, go- the Constitution and power of Congress to conduct oversight to this extent. No president has claimed for himself the right to deny the House's authority to conduct an impeachment proceeding, control the scope of a power exclusively vested in the House, and forbid any and all cooperation from the executive branch. Even President Richard Nixon, who obstructed Congress by refusing to turn over key evidence, accepted the authority of Congress to conduct an impeachment inquiry and permitted his aides and advisors to produce documents and testify to congressional committees. Basically, the report says Trump is worse than Nixon. Is that hyperbole? Is it demagoguery? Or is there some truth in this? No, it's, there is some truth to that, and there is, it's not hyperbole. But I will say, though, I mean, Nixon tried to obstruct just about everything. The only reason he released the tapes is because the Supreme Court, in a case of nine to nothing, ordered him, to, or, to, ordered him in Nixon versus United States, ordered him to, to, um, to release those tapes. And if you listen to any of the Nixon tapes, you can see that he, would try, he was trying to obstruct the investigation. He was talking about potentially paying off some of the paying off people so that they wouldn't talk. Um, it's just a matter of Nixon was essentially. It was just a matter that it had gone to the Supreme Court, and he essentially had to. He essentially had to do it, and he had no pretend, no other options. Um, I, but I think their mentalities was essentially the same, which is essentially right. just to stonewall as long as possible right. and to give a public persona, which is different right. than obviously their private machinations. Right. Hey, uh, we're going to let that be the last word. Um, first of all, Charlie Bernie, thank you very much for kind of going free flow on us today. Uh, on behalf of Alan Moore, uh, Rich Rubino, and of course Dan Lipner, I'm your host and moderator Justin Russell. We will be back next time for another episode. This is, by the way, this has been a day where the stock market dropped almost 500 points. Camilla, Kamala Harris, Harris dropped Kamala out Harris. of the out of the out of the race for president. Uh, Donald Trump went on a tear in London during NATO hearings. We're going to talk about all of this in the next but episode. Marianne Williamson's week. still there. Oh, good God. Uh, and Joe Shestek is no longer in the race. And you're going to have to, even Charlie's laughing hysterically behind the glass. Hey, by the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Backroom Politics Radio. You can also download us as a podcast because we are a podcast on your favorite source for podcasting Apple, Google, Spotify. We're everywhere. We're kind of a big deal now. Uh, you can also follow us on our website, backroompolitics.org. Have a great time, America. We'll see you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.